and welcome to another episode of Five Things, an independent web series dedicated to answering the five burning tech questions you have about technologies and workflows in the media creation space. Tech stuff I dig and basically how it's used. I'm your host, Michael Thomas, and on this episode, we'll be wrapping up our exciting storage adventure with part three in this three-part series on storage. We'll be examining management, permissions, and support. As we have in the last two episodes, we'll be holding off on ODA, LTO, and cloud storage and focusing on that in a future episode. If you've missed part one or part two of five things on storage, I highly suggest you go back and get your tech on. Lots of good stuff. So let's get started. Wadsworth Constant, be damned. Permissions are the fundamental building blocks of using shared storage. It's the reason you can read from a SAN or a NAS, and it's also the reason you can write to a SAN or a NAS. With improper permissions, your access may be restricted, you may corrupt your own media, or your NLE will simply refuse to use the storage. We can classify permissions into one of two categories, file level locking or volume level locking, also known as block level. Each have their own place and each have their own considerations. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. First, we have volume or block level locking. This is the fastest way of sharing storage and the least expensive. Volume level allows multiple users to mount the drive or volume and read from it, but only one user at a time can write to it. This is great for NLEs that don't support concurrent editors opening and using the same project at the same time, but we'll get more into that in question two. It also forces some manual file management and organization. Honestly, I like this method best. It gives you the most throughput and it causes editors to think about file management and make conscious decisions of media usage as opposed to just one big bit bucket to dump files into. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think with fly. Once we move into file locking, the price goes up and usually so does the file count. File level is what we commonly refer to as one big bit bucket. Every user, if given permission, can read and write to the same folder on the same volume. While this is the easiest in terms of access, it becomes extraordinarily unwieldy when it comes to media management. No one wants to delete media because someone else may be using it. Performance is also decreased because of the extra layer of checking that goes on during usage. The plus side is that this is the basis for all shared projects, such as Avid or Adobe Anywhere. So, while file level locking is the underlying technology behind shared projects, when products are shared out via a NAS protocol, no management layer is running and responsible for different users using the same project and media. This leads to corrupt files and projects. Don't assume file level locking on a NAS allows for shared projects. Don't try it. Currently, and I stress currently, only one out of the big three NLEs support shared projects out of the box. Avid has supported this for about 15 years. This is one of the reasons it's the de facto standard here in Hollywood for collaborative feature films and television. When using Avid's shared storage, ISIS, multiple concurrent editors can open the same project at the same time. The only restriction is what is called bin locking. Everyone can read the bins, but only one user can write to it. Thus, only one user can be editing a single timeline at any one time. This aside, shared projects allows almost simultaneous sharing of cuts in media. 
If ISIS is out of your price range, several other manufacturers have spoofed the AVFS, the Avid Video File System, which allows for shared project functionality. Adobe Premiere supports shared projects, although when this feature is introduced, it becomes a production. However, this is dependent on shared storage as well as using the relatively new Adobe Anywhere solution, which I outlined in episode one of five things. Anywhere allows the sharing and receiving of changes to a production by several concurrent users. As of December 2014, this is only available with an Anywhere solution. Final Cut 10, like Final Cut 7 before it, does not support multiple concurrent editors opening the same project at the same time and making changes to it. Final Cut Server followed a check-in, check-out methodology for Final Cut 7. However, Apple canned that product so it didn't get much screen time. You're our product, and we can't very well have our products turning against us, can we? I'm glad you asked. Obviously, adding and removing users from utilizing the storage volumes is necessary to prevent misuse or accidental deleting or moving of files. So this would include granting or restricting usage of these volumes to users. Checking the status of the server and the drives is also very important, making sure you have free space and that the drives are healthy. Last thing you want is a sick shared storage solution. Another great feature is the ability to grow and shrink volumes. Let's say you allocate five terabytes each for each of your editors. One editor never uses up more than two terabytes, but another editor is always running close to five. Perhaps you want to reallocate some space to the second editor. Some shared storage solutions would require you to move all of the data off editor one's volume, delete that volume, create a new, smaller volume, then copy it back. This is a major pain. More robust shared storage solutions allow for the ability to dynamically increase the size of the volume, or if the solution is really good, shrink it as well. What's so bad about being small? I mean, you're not gonna be small forever. Play with it, pal. Don't talk to it. As we discussed in the last episode on shared storage, RAID protection is of paramount importance. So as a feature, perhaps you wanna have an added layer of redundancy for your projects to be more protected in a catastrophe. Let's say RAID 1 for your projects. However, your raw media may be backed up elsewhere, so you wouldn't be dead in the water if the media was lost. In that case, the media may be on a RAID 5 or even RAID 0 RAID set. Having selectable RAIDs can help free up space on your expensive shared storage. Throttling speed is also a great feature to have. Perhaps you only want to allow offline editors a fraction of the available speed, but your online editors need more bandwidth to accommodate higher video bit rates as well as track counts. Being able to set these on a per user basis as well as monitor this performance in real time is a fantastic feature for administrators. Other beneficial features may include interoperability with backup archive or tier two storage solutions, migration tools to move to larger storage, diagnostic or testing tools to verify speed and connection integrity, or deployment tools to aid in the connection of new clients, including drivers, client software, etc. Also, the ability to run other apps on the server running the storage, such as a render or transcode volume, or even run asset management software. This technology will free the mind of man, not enslave it. Many shared storage companies have a spares kit, which may include a spare hard drive and a caddy, and may even include a spare power supply. 
I highly recommend getting this with any solution. It seems to be Murphy's Law during crunch time, and how long can you afford to be down? As we've discussed in previous episodes, professional shared storage solutions don't use off-the-shelf hard drives. So running to the local electronics store to get one really isn't an option. Many shared storage integrators may often have their own support plans, including a technician on call to remote into the system or troubleshoot, or perhaps even a spare unit at their facility or replacement parts on hand if needed. He made a duplicate of himself from all these spare parts. That's incredible. Lastly, our shared storage has a ton of moving parts, a higher probability of something going wrong. Many users have tier two storage in conjunction with their fast edit storage. This ensures that if your media is backed up to the tier two storage, you won't be dead in the water if your edit storage goes down. Ah, uh, yes, the question I get asked the most frequently. Here are my top three solutions. As I've said many times before, I prefer the one throat to choke philosophy. If you're in an avid environment, go with an ISIS. The management tools are deeper than any other editorial shared storage solution out there. The deployment tools are built in and accessible via a web browser. It's one of the most stable storage solutions I've ever worked with. If you're in a mixed environment, or looking to save a few bucks, I'm also a big fan of Facilis. The Avid product sharing was ironed out a few years ago, and the throughput when used as a SAN is better than most other solutions out there. You can also choose to work with Ethernet or fiber-connected clients. In addition, the management is dead simple. So, Avid, Final Cut, or Premiere, they'll all work on Facilis. A newcomer in the space is Platform by Promax. In a relatively short time, they've developed a very solid product at a very attractive price point. They've also done something that not many other solutions do. They utilize the horsepower on the shared storage server that is not being used for file management and offload other processes to them such as asset management or cross-platform After Effects rendering. The price point, as mentioned, is also very attractive. Did I miss anything about management, permissions, and support with storage? Or anything in this three-part storage series? Let me know in the comments, via Twitter, or on Facebook. And please, share these series with your friends. I plan to be back after the holidays with new episodes of Five Things. As always, thanks for watching.